0: This podcast is brought to you by Enrollment Resources, innovations in enrollment management. Learn more at enrollmentresources.com.
1: Hi, everybody. It's uh, Greg Mikkeljohn, uh with Enrollment Resources. I'm here with my colleagues, Scott Spitolnick, Tom King, and we're going to talk uh, today about the anatomy yeah. of a top-performing uh, DOA. And... Uh, it's an often overlooked area, but it's really crucial to making the admissions department uh, work at top rate. And um, and so I think what we'll do is it's uh, respecting people's time and the early birds. Uh, we'll just start right away. And uh, folks on the call, if you have any questions and you want to put up your hands, um, you just simply press star six and that will unmute you. And then you can just wedge into the conversation. That's part of the charm of doing this um, by this way versus like a podcast or a webinar. So you've got some smart guys on the call here, so feel free to take advantage of their experience. So let's get going. The role of an admissions manager is not to grow sales, but to grow their people. So... To me, that seems kind of um, counterintuitive to what you read in business books about sales management and what have you. Tom, you want to uh, expand
2: on this? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Well, back uh, several years ago, I think four or five years ago, uh, Richard Branson, who many of you probably know, uh, the billionaire, uh, he had a a great quote uh, that, that goes, train people well enough so they can leave, treat them well enough so they don't want to. So I kind of harken to that a bit when we talk about the sales manager role and really management overall. It really comes down to training our people and well and upskilling our, our team. Uh, and if you do those things correctly, then the numbers will take care of themselves. Uh, too many people, I think, manage to try to hit a target or try to hit the numbers, uh, and they lose sight of what it actually takes to get there. It's not, you know, whipping the people harder doesn't, doesn't get them to do that, although they might hit a target once or twice doing that. Uh, but uh, we really definitely want to grow our people. And I think a lot of what we'll talk about today really is going to boil down to focusing on growing our people and our processes um and if we do that then uh growing sales will uh growing our sales will be a natural cause uh and effect of, of doing that
1: so you can yell at somebody to fish harder um you can give them a fish or you can teach them how to fish i guess the
2: old trait saying hey is that what you're kind of getting at yeah one of my another another great favorite saying of mine too is that the beatings will continue until morale improves so, <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: well, okay. So the the sales manager, which is really, let's whether you're not for profit or pro- for proprietary, admissions, recruiting is selling, and so let's just call it what it is. Um, and those who are kind of um, reclaimed from that, just sorry, that's the you can leave, um, but. The sales manager plays really three key roles, right? They're, they're people managers. They recruit, build, coach, as Tom was alluding to. They are provide resources to the team so that they can succeed, uh, succeed or exceed. And um, they're business managers. Uh, they plan, they adjust, they report. So they're working the dashboards, and that drives the resources and the recruiting and the training. So, Scott, um, let's go to you, like people management. Recruiting, building, coaching, a team. You've done a lot of training in your day. Um, why don't you
0: put a little sure. bit of color on that uh, that comment there? Sure. You know, I liken it to, uh, you know, managing a sports team. For any sports fans out there, if you take a look at the manager of a baseball team, the coach of a football team, they're constantly recruiting, you know, number one. That's key. Because that is, uh, you know, your backup quarterbacks, your relief pitchers. Um, they're the ones that make up your team. Unfortunately, and I used to make the same mistake when I was managing teams, we tend to uh, knee-jerk react when we're looking to replace an admissions rep or an uh, enrollment coordinator. And I, I, learned, I learned pretty fast that recruiting is constant. It could be as simple as just putting a button on your website you know, join our team, and just building up uh, a bank of resumes, interviewing people periodically. So when something does go sideways, you need a rep or whatever, instead of scrambling and putting ads out and interviewing people, you've got that bank uh, that you can build on that you, you know, you've already interviewed people. So recruiting is constant. Uh, It doesn't have to be from the outside. There's a lot of talent in our schools, in your schools. I know there always was in the schools that I was running. Um, And identifying those people early, it may be a great director of first impression that you can get on the phones for 10 hours a week to set appointments, to learn the system. So again, when something does go sideways, you can draw on that person to maybe fulfill the admissions role, at the very least. Making them a re enrollment coordinator that could get you another four, five, ten students every quarter that may have dropped out, that didn't start, or whatever. So recruiting is constant. In turn, that comes. Yeah. So to that end, resources.
1: Um, You know, Mm -hmm. you resource the team with people, but what other things must a um, sales manager provide in terms of resources? Uh, lead lists for marketing,
0: I mean, or good coffee, or. Yeah, uh, you know, both of those above, uh, Greg, and it could be something as simple as providing your team with headsets. I've been in schools where they said, you know, we could be more productive with headsets. So you spend the 30 or 40 bucks for a headsets. You know, on a more complicated level, providing them with the resources such as maybe templates for emails that they're sending out to their uh, prospective students. So you can standardize those things. Uh, Providing them with a good lead management system or CRM that they can uh, be alerted to when they need to make follow-up calls or touch base with those people. It could be something as simple as just having the proof sources around the school. A lot of schools get involved with putting up nice paintings and photographs well that's not doing anything to sell your school but if you have the proof sources testimonials on the walls in the lobby uh things like that those are great resources something as simple as once every quarter taking a walkthrough with the team seeing how that school seeing how your lobby seeing how your hallways are being presented to those prospective students That's a very valuable resource, because first impressions are everything. Uh, It's uh, interesting. There's a a little, um,
1: like Canadian, the the term stormtrooper came from the Canadian forces. They would always attack in storms. And um, it was just a strategic advantage. But what they had to do is hold the... uh, the the minds of the soldiers and so what they did was in the first world war they replaced paper matches with wooden matches because the wooden matches so somebody's in a mucky bunker and they're trying to smoke to calm or to calm their nerves um they would the, the paper matches wouldn't work so they switched to the wooden ones and it it was this little cause and effect thing the nerves would calm down the um the desertions would greatly reduce the aggression of attacking the enemy greatly increased off of one little tiny okay. pivot they resourced uh, the soldiers with wooden matches so it's crazy so so Tom then you know the whole thing needs to be essentially managed and um And so there's this little piece that you've come up with, plan, adjust, report, achieve. You want to put a bit of color on that?
2: Uh, Sure. Yeah, it comes down to on the management portion of things, once you've got your team and they've got their resources, being able to put a plan together uh, that, that, you know, hopefully makes sense, but plan and set, I, I believe, set higher targets than you believe you can achieve. Uh, you can have a fiscal plan, but then actually having a working plan um, that you have to exceed you know what what that is so having a plan and then being able to adjust is is a key. Uh, we find that a lot of people just stick to the plan or they lower the target uh, in my opinion, that's probably the worst thing you can do is doesn't look like we're gonna meet our fifty person start so let's, we're gonna, we're gonna, now we're gonna shoot for 45. We just need 45 people now, as opposed to adjusting on the go. Hey, we still have six weeks to go. How many appointments do we need? We're gonna talk about this more later on, but how many appointments do we need? How many phone calls need to be made? All of those things so we can adjust our efforts to hopefully exceed the plan that we have. Uh, And then the reporting part is making sure that people are accountable. For what they're doing, and that as managers, we um, were able to see exactly how we're progressing and being able to look at those numbers quickly. Uh, and it could, you know, it could be as simple as do you have a simple spreadsheet that you can drop some numbers in on a weekly basis, or is, is your CRM robust enough to give you a dashboard or the reports you need? Uh, so once you've got that plan and you're able to now adjust it uh, or adjust your effort, is what I, you know, and adjust what your, your work level. Uh, and then being able to report on those things will help you hopefully achieve those goals or exceed those goals uh, that we have. So we'll talk about a lot of that I think as as we go through today.
0: On, but it's interesting on how to, to like, me. Carry those
2: out. It's interesting to me, Tom, because it's uh,
1: to me this seems like a no-brainer. But I know you've told me in the past you're constantly amazed. And, and as a Scott, the number of schools that
2: don't don't do this am I. Am I right? Or,
0: yep. Oh, it's
2: it's, it's it's stunning with with what we with who we talk to and, and schools that we work with as to how little planning, reporting can they put their can they put their fingers on numbers and they do they know what to do when things are starting to go sideways or do they just get sideways and then all of a sudden you know we missed our last start or two well it's a little late when they when they you know. The animals are out of the barn already. We've got to be able to adjust when the rain hits or when the fence breaks, uh, what have you, to keep, uh, to keep uh, the animals in the pen and be able to adjust on the fly, And which is really just understanding your business and the numbers uh, around your business and how to train your people in those specific areas uh, to help them improve. And if you bring their skills up, this whole thing gets a lot easier. You just slipped
1: in a really nice farming analogy there and I just wanted to say well done. Um <laughs> the uh but you know to the point about numbers. Um okay, so this is the research that you guys have landed on. I'll just recite this and then Holy crow, holy crow. Um 82% of managers don't have the time to train their people. Okay, that uh, 32% of managers time is spent on desk-based activities, administrivia. 14% of managers spend time is spent with reps or customers. That's it. And 23% of managers' time is spent, again, on administrative activities. So, what this seems to say is that all that that um, seminal work that where the manager interacts with the performers. It's just really kind of nudged to the corner of the desk, and to me, Tom, this seems crazy. Um, I don't understand um, the, this profile of a work week for a manager. It, I'm afraid it just doesn't make sense to me. It, can you tell me I'm not crazy, or?
2: <laughs> no, it's, it's there. This numbers are they're they're stunning. I think, and when people really think about it, that you know, they may make a little bit more sense. But when you see a number like 82% of managers, don't have time to spend their people you think oh that's a that's an astronomical number and but when you really look at the day i mean how much time as a manager do you spend interacting with your people helping to upskill them or improve their their skill set versus uh i got a call or i'm putting out fires i mean we hear that i think we hear that so often that you know uh, managers are just firefighters in many situations where Uh, There's this fire, oh, it's been crazy today. I can't make the call. I have to cancel this uh, because I can't get everything done. Uh, It's just simply the priorities, I think, are are maybe in the wrong areas or we don't have a really good process or plan in place that makes it easy enough for us to spend time where it really matters. And another option here, too, is because – Managers don't have the time to spend with their people, and they've got so many admin reports and activities and meetings and, and people wearing multiple hats. Look outside your organization for training. And we'll, I think we'll talk about that later on, too, is if you want to help upskill your people and you don't have the time because you've got 14 hats on, and many schools that we deal with don't even have a DOA. So it's the campus manager that's handling that and all the other things look to get some help in these areas where where you're lacking and watch your productivity increase.
1: Okay, okay, that makes
2: more sense. So what we're going to do now
1: is we're going to share eight tips. And these are tips that could create more efficiency for a DOA, which then will help them unleash their power. And um, we have five pages of notes and a PowerPoint deck that people can ask for if they want at the end to do some internal education. That's up to you guys. But what we'll do is give you an overview on these eight tips. So I'm just going to give a 30,000-foot a, a overview on what they are, and then we're going to spin back and, and dive into each of them for a few minutes each. So first one is to understand your KPIs, your key performance indicators, and not waste time on things that don't mean anything. It's setting up a bulletproof sales system. Um, And that is uh, actually different than what we might think what that means. Having um, the ability to hold reps accountable through daily and weekly rep reporting, um, rep report summaries, uh, scrub meetings, some of you may never have heard that term, um, starts planning and adjustment tool, which is what Tom spoke to about planning and adjusting on the fly. We'll go deeper on that and then um, really how a professional meeting should look to um, really kickstart the performance of the reps. So, Scott, I'll start with you in terms of key performance indicators or what are called KPIs. And KPIs are used traditionally in corporate executive planning. And yet what you're suggesting and Tom is suggesting is that you can take – that KB, KPI discipline and drop it into admissions and use it effectively in that area. So that, yeah. that seems like an interesting um, side test. Uh, why don't you speak to it, and then, Tom, you can give an example or two, if you like. Uh, go ahead, Scott.
0: Yeah, I'll keep it brief, because I know we have a lot of material. But, yeah, KPIs, to me, that's the most; those are the most important metrics of your school, Because not only does it show you, uh, it it, it can help you manage by the numbers, but it also shows you areas where your process and your people have challenges. For example, you know, lead contact rate. Uh, You know, it's an important KPI. If you've got 100 inquiries and you're only contacting 20 or 30% of your inquiries, well, what can that show you? That can show you that your process or your system may be lacking. Maybe there's a need for um, uh, a lead management system, which are several out there, that can auto-dial for you, can tag the leads that need to be called, and that will double, triple your contact rate in some cases.
3: You know, what So what you're,
0: more, so what you're saying like, then is that you can um,
1: uh, use KPIs when they're out of whack, if they're yellow or red, you can use that as a signal to What we do at Enrollment Resources split test and try something new. So um, I'll give a quick example. Um, If your contact rates are low, you can split test the phone messages being left. Pretend the phone message is a radio ad with one person listening. And then through trial and error, you can leave different types of radio ads and you can incrementally improve that. Five or 10% you could take that from 20 to 25 or 20 to 30% so let's say 5% if somebody's making 40 outbound calls a day um, that's uh, 800 a month we'll call it and if you can create a 5% improvement by just using that silly testing example I just shared that's 40 additional meaningful conversations that's four to six additional students a month if my math is correct which is, yeah, 50,
0: 60 additional students a year. Yeah, and it ties back to, well, how many dial? I'm not a big proponent of counting the dials that my reps were making, but, you know, like you just said, Greg, in an hour, if a rep can make 15 calls manually dialing, if you have the technology, you know, what if they could dial 40 or 50 or 60 in that same period of time, well, more dials probably will mean more contacts. So that KPI can really pinpoint shortcomings in that process, just like the appointment tour set rate with your reps. If a rep is getting hold of a lot of people, but they're not sending the appointments, well, what does that tell you? They have some challenges with their phone dialogue. They may not even have a phone dialogue or a script. So again, that really, really pinpoints a shortcoming in that process as well. You know, again, down the line, appointment show rate can pinpoint, you know, whether a rep is having a problem with, you know, setting the appointments. And, boom, down the line without the laboring me point, um, uh, you know, the show rate. They may have a challenge. So it gives the manager, it gives the director of admissions really a roadmap into how they need to train that particular rep. And each rep may have a different KPI that you can look at to see where their challenges are. Uh, you may have so, a so, so so. Tom, then
1: really, it's it's a matter of um, rather than trying to go and micromanage everything within a rep and killing the, the relationship along the way, is to really just have little, um, a few little key things to to that as a manager you focus on. Am I am I right, Tom? Oh, oh. Tom. Tom's jumped off. <laughs> so you um, so you just
2: can't. Uh, yep, sorry. Uh, so you just can't try to train them on multiple things at one time. We we want to pick and choose those areas where maybe either the low hanging fruit exists or that rep is having the the most issues. And you can look at these KPIs from a high level, you know, as a overall college. You can break it down by campus, and then you can break it down by rep. And you might adjust your training based upon which areas and which people are falling below your averages or not hitting, or not hitting your numbers. And I, I know Scott brought it up, having, having scripts or a process or something like that. And, and these, are, these are the KPIs, too, that and enrollment resources we really hold dear when it comes to, to our scorecard process with you because this is where I think it all begins. But, and, and people kind of fight a little bit against scripts, and I think we'll talk about that some more. But it's impossible to split test when you all are doing something different. Mm. So you, you, it's, hard to, it's hard to really find out, well, why is Greg, you know, can I help improve Greg's script? Well, he does something completely different than Scott, who does something completely different than Tom. How can we, how can we ever implement any changes or split test when we don't have a control to begin with? And we're all over the all over the map. So yeah, direct people and their their weaknesses. Yeah, exactly. So
1: in direct response marketing, the existing tactic being used is referred to as a control. There, folks, and then the game is is to beat the control through trial and error, or what's called split testing. And the, and then the best thing to do is when you're using your key performance indicators, when something starts flashing red. With a particular rep then you manage process not people and uh, that takes us to our next little uh, key topic managing process not people setting up a bulletproof sales system so that's an interesting notion manage process not people Tom Um, why don't you
2: take it away Uh, sure I think when it comes to setting up a really great structure for your organization uh, you know, you first look at what, what people do you have in the right positions and places. We've spent a lot of time with our uh, clients and, you know, trying to come up with what is the, the best way to structure your organization for a scalability, growth, and uh, an improvement process. Uh, we've really found that separating appointment setting from the actual admissions reps and then also potentially having a future student coordinator or admin person on the back end To do a lot of the follow-up and uh, finish up paperwork and things like that, so that it keeps everybody doing what they're great at. Uh, So whoa,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa! So you're saying to take that, like most schools will say, you dial, 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 you get an appointment, and then. um, But you're saying you want to actually separate that that function of setting up the meetings. I guess I guess really what you're getting at
2: is you can't be good at everything. Hey can't be good at everything. And we want to let people, we want to put people in positions where they can succeed. Some people are great face to face, Greg, and some people are just terrible on the phone or some people can be good on the phone, but they just hate it. And I know one of those people very yeah. well. So, so, you know, they can, you know, we want to put people in a position where not only can they succeed, uh, but they enjoy what they're doing and they, and they can be good at it and exceed and excel uh, and, if, and separating appointment setting is from from the rest of admissions is absolutely, in, in my opinion, uh, the absolute way to go these days uh, to allow your school to to grow and scale itself uh, and be more efficient and effective.
0: Now, do Got you it. recommend uh, in house in house appointment setters, Tom, or what's your feeling on, you know, keeping that in house versus farming it out? I
2: believe you can go either direction, either in-house or or outsource it. The problem with outsourcing it uh, is that you you a may lose a little control unless you can find. There's been very few uh, really good appointment setting companies out there. We've we've landed on one or two uh, that have done a phenomenal job for our school, but or for our clients and, and schools. Uh, but also, but bringing it in-house and doing it. We've found some schools that have tried to do that, and they struggle because they just don't have the technology, and the training, and the knowledge to hire, maintain, train, uh, and and manage these people. Uh, it's it's a separate, a different skill set, and not everybody's comfortable doing that. So some schools have struggled with it and found that hey, outsourcing it works best uh, because it's just too much for them to handle. So it can go it can go either direction. Uh, and it really is based on that school and the way uh, ability they have to train their people.
1: Yeah. Interesting. So, people and processes. You manage the process, and, and what happens if, if an admissions rep will not follow the best practice process? I know in our shop, we give our team a, a green light to test things, um, uh, mostly, and uh, so, but I guess there are some obstinate know-it-all folks that just go no, sorry. And so, if there's a power struggle between a best practice of a school
2: and a rep, how, like how's that play out? Well, I'll jump in on this one real quick too. And we just had a uh, uh, we just had a webinar uh, on these types of things not not so long ago where what's the best practice when you in hiring people and what are the traits of a rockstar rep? And I think the, the one of the, the two of the top traits are number one, having a learning mindset, which means they want to learn, grow and expand constantly. Uh, and number two, really look for someone that will follow a process. If you, if you bringing in people who think they know it all and they have all this great experience, most likely they're not going to follow your process or be open to following that Uh That process, and that's absolutely, in my opinion, critical, is if you have a process, even sometimes a poor process, not a bad process, but a poor process that's followed to the letter is more effective than no process um, that sometimes hits home runs and does a great job for a while, but over the long haul will not perform as well as having stability and a process built in uh, that you can hone and constantly improve and tweak. Uh, according to some of those lean management methodologies that that we've talked about. Got it.
1: Okay. Interesting. So, Scott, mm-hmm. along those lines, um, we we've heard that term starts plan before, um, and and really, it's it's all about with a starts plan, it's all about reverse engineering. I guess is what you
0: you might say. Um, Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Why don't you touch on uh,
1: on starts plan?
0: Yeah, you know, I think we're all guilty of uh, before the start, we sit each rep down, give them a number. Um, You know, let's say, and I'll deal with a school that starts every quarter, every 12 weeks or so. So we sit the rep down and we look at them and say, Tom, all right, I need 30 starts from you. Go out and get them. Boom. Tom's eyes roll in the back of his head. He walks out of there shell shock. And really, we need a plan. The plan is so simple, and we'd be glad to share it with you, you know, sometime after the call or whatever. But breaking it down in small bites, yeah, you could give a number of, let's say, thirty starts, but showing showing your team how they can hit that. For example, twelve weeks to the start, that's uh, approximately. I always called it the rule of five, four, three, which may not be new to uh, a lot of the people, but you know, 12 weeks to start, I'm asking my rep, can you set three appointments a day? There's five days in the week. Can you set three appointments? I don't care where you get them from, and, uh, referrals, PDIs, new leads old, leads, old leads. 15 a week, 12 weeks, that's 180 appointments set. Uh, out of the 180, let's say 40% of them show up for their appointments. That's 80 shows. Uh 40, uh, 40 to 50%, let's say 45% of them are going to enroll. That gives you about 36 enrollments, 90% show rate if they're packaged. Boom, there's your 30 starts. But it all starts with the number of appointments set per day. If you tell a rep, uh, you know, I need 30 starts, or if you approach it at, hey, can you set three appointments a day in an eight-hour day or a nine-hour day? They're going to say, well, yeah, that's pretty easy. And then you give them the roadmap with spending three appointments, four appointments, whatever, uh, will do to bring them to that 30 starts. And you know what? They walk out saying, wow, I can do that. And so, by giving them to them in small bites makes it so a whole to, lot more Yeah, And then to that end, you just take
1: that very simple activity and, Tom, uh, you, you run, a, like, daily and weekly rep reports. Are your reps doing those three meetings a day or those three reach-outs a day or whatever that simple KPI is? Is that kind of how that that rep report might look?
0: Or? Yep, okay. we may have lost, Tom. Huh? Yeah, oh, it's it's, and I'll take it, it. It's winning the day. You know, so they're not looking a week, two weeks. 12 weeks down the start, we're looking at it on a day-to-day basis. At the end of the day, if they set three appointments or four appointments, hey, you just won that day. And if they don't, then tomorrow, hey, you need to set four appointments. So, And they will they really, really will warm up to that because, hey, in an eight-hour day, you should be able to set three appointments a day. And if anybody on the phone disagrees, you know, certainly we can talk about it, but by breaking it into small pieces like that, just makes it a lot easier for them to see the end game twelve weeks down the line.
1: And then I guess the the, the you pull all that information together on a weekly basis, and that creates okay. kind of a KPI, if you will, um, as to whether you are because if you're meeting that that core rep at the front of the funnel, um, your odds are really high
0: that you're going to nail your intake. Is really, yeah. yeah. And okay. at, the the week, uh, at the end of the week, at the end of the week, at the the meeting, you break it down rep by rep. And as a team, you know, if the goal is a hundred starts, you break it down for the team. How many how many appointments need to be set each day for the team to get to that all encompassing goal? So yeah, so absolutely.
2: and I. Let me just jump in real, real quick because I, I, I think we skipped ahead a little bit to the adjustments piece. But just on the, on the planning side, too, when, you, when you're planning, have a starts plan that, that makes sense. Look at your target enrollment. Many times people are just setting a plan for, hey, we want to beat last year or we want a 10%. I don't know where the numbers come from. Uh, <laughs> but but take a, pick a target that you want, that you want to hit. For, for starts, and then understand your conversion rates and work it backwards to figure out exactly how many enrollments do I need. So, you know, Scott mentioned it, which we'll get into later, I think, uh, well, we, we kind of already hit it on the adjustments plan, but understanding exactly how to set that plan and then your, your, having your reps filling out weekly reports so they understand their numbers and then you can understand exactly where they are on on things so that you can best help them if the numbers aren't there so that again that we can uh, browbeat people about why they're not hitting numbers the numbers are there so that we can adequately and accurately figure out how we're going to train even though 82 percent of you you aren't going to do any training uh, with your people but hopefully after this you'll you'll adjust that percentage but we use those reports and those numbers to find out exactly where we're falling down So, that we can put daily and weekly trainings into place to upskill our staff to be able to hit those numbers uh, that we've established and that we use on those adjustment plans as well. Okay. So, now how does the, Tom,
1: how does the scrub meeting fit into all this? Explain the scrub meeting, meeting.
2: Yeah. So, typically the scrub meeting that, you know, that, as I refer to it, and Scott, I think this is a term that we've used for many, many years. It's essentially scrubbing our enrollment list to make sure that we've got an accurate depiction of who's going to be starting for the next several starts. Um, And we're gonna have, hopefully, you're gonna have a weekly meeting, depending on how soon that start's going to be, and may involve admissions, financial aid, the registrar, any other directors that may be involved uh, in that enrollment process, going student by student, Where are they on their financial aid? Have they done housing, if if you have housing? Have they attended orientation? Have they paid their fees? Do we have their transcripts? Having a checklist for every single student. And then also understanding when we get to Sally Smith and she's missing this, whose responsibility is that? Who's talked to her last? Have you talked to her? No. Has the rep talked to her? No. Financial aid hasn't heard from her. So she's MIA. What are we doing about this? She's on our roster to potentially start here in two weeks, and we haven't heard from her in two weeks, uh, and she's still missing pieces. Or even though she has everything, we've got a director that's given a call. We've, we've reached out by email just to check touch base, and she hasn't returned any calls. Even though she looks like she's all set and the rep's all happy, I've got an, I've got a start, it's going to be great, we've got 25 out of 25 students and then on start day 20 people show up and you want to know where those five went well it's because you didn't probably scrub on a fairly weekly basis to find out is everybody solid is everything progressing and if there's anybody that that's a red
0: flag that we follow up on them yeah and it also allows the different departments to take ownership of the start and not just admissions as well so everybody buys into it you know financial aid the directors career services And that's so important also to share in the success, you know, of the start as well. And it's a great example. You had brought it up a little bit before, Tom. You know, those students should be contacted at least once a week before the start, even if it's just an article emailed to them from the rep. Hey, Tom, I was thinking about you. Check this article out. You know, medical medical assistance or jobs are going to increase by 20%. So just having a process of keeping that, well, uh, keeping that uh, pump primed on a week-to-week basis. Also, emails from the director of ed, from the president of the school. A lot of schools do it, but an awful lot don't do it. Just welcoming that student aboard, you know, as well. So I just want to throw that in, the importance of keeping that pump primed uh, before the start. So really another way to say it is that there many schools lack the,
1: uh, a sufficient communication loop. From yeah. once they've been packaged to and and I guess that as the byproduct of improving the uh the accepted uh the accepted rate to start rate you know by just staying connected
0: that's right yep cool yeah, orientation orientation comes along and we wonder where those eight students are well, they hadn't been contacted in two weeks or two and a half weeks and then we wonder where they are so yep yeah, yeah absolutely. elsewhere
2: with a competitor. <laughs> My extra two cents on this, too, is that people make decisions based on an emotional connection that they make. People buy based on emotion. People enroll in the school based upon this need to, you know, improve themselves, self-improvement. They've made an emotional connection with themselves and their own why that, hey, I've got to do this so I can change my life and change my, and my stance. And they're motivated, but so people's motivation drops on a daily basis from the day that they enroll to the day they graduate. And it's a constant fight from the school to keep that motivation level high and help them see the final picture. That starts as soon as they enroll up to the day they start, and then it's gotta continue until the day they graduate uh, so that we can create advocates and uh, hopefully additional referrals for our school, uh, but create these advocates that graduate. Okay,
1: now we have um, a starts planning and adjustment tool that we're going to give to people as a gift. If they want to um, g- grab it, they can just uh, contact 2503919494 uh, or they can uh, just contact Scott at Scott at Enrollment Resources. And um, we've got just a bunch of goodies, like little templates and, and whatnot that you folks can use um, if you're interested. So that is a device that's designed to go and, and build a relationship after this uh, this conference call. And so that's a shameless just explanation of why we do that. Plus, the information will help you gain, gain some clarity around the talk we've given. So you will... It'll have some value to you. Um, so being respectful of uh, people's timelines, um, before we leave, does anybody want to press star six and ask uh, Tom or Scott a question? Any question on admissions management is fair game. And uh, But you might all have things that you've got to take away and you might be fine. But anybody have a question, star six
0: uh, yeah, this is Leon in admissions uh, here in Chicago, uh, Illinois Media School. So in the event that the uh, director's position is a writing director's position, in uh, seeing you know, the amount of time that's needed to manage a process, do you think it's really realistic to also be able to perform or outperform your reps while managing uh, all the different aspects of the business to get them to perform and supersede their goals as well. Well, who
1: wants to grab that? That's a good question. That's a great question.
2: I'll jump on that. That is a great question, and we see that a lot, especially with most a lot of smaller schools. Uh, I think you have to prioritize. You know what your targets are, your plans are to determine your kind of your staffing levels, and if you if you've determined that. One of my reps is going to take that lead role and is going to be a kind of a DOA that's also writing uh, on that. You have to be realistic in the expectations of what you're expecting. I certainly am not gonna expect that a writing DOA is going to exceed the results of the reps. Well, how do I set a good example if if they have higher numbers than me? Again, I'm gonna go back to training the people that you have around you, including yourself, to become greater uh and more highly skilled at what you do it's not necessarily going to be the volume and the numbers that you achieve it's going to be the consistency and um the efficiency that that you can do it at your, there your is one person lower sorry tom
1: what i bought in I, I i have another thing to add but continue
2: uh, so it's just a matter of understanding the numbers and the volume that, that you have, setting the right expectations for yourself and others um, with that, but also setting the example from an efficiency standpoint that you can at least match or hit those, those actual conversion rates uh, at a high level. But, but train your team is really going to be the key. And the only thing I'd
1: add, Tom, is that the most, maybe the most important person you need to train is your boss. And, um, the, uh, if your boss has expectations or the owner has expectations that are just out out to lunch, I think it's important to lay the math out and go look at your, your expectations are out of line. Given the resources, if you want me to be managing other reps, plus be a top producer, I 20% of my time will be repping, um, so you have to go and align that in your expectations. So, Absolutely. Yeah, you yep. train your boss.
0: Yeah, and, that, and that's where the and Leon, that's where the KPIs are important because you know if your reps are expected to get let's say three enrollments a week and you're expected to get one or two, you know, analyzing the KPIs if you're meeting or exceeding. Uh, the conversion rates and the other KPIs of the other reps on top of all the other duties, well, that's a pretty good indicator that you know, you're handling the admissions duties as well as the management duties as well. So that's where the KPIs are important in your, uh, you know, in your position as well, seeing what your own KPIs are versus the rest of the team. The other piece to that, Scott, is ethics in admissions.
1: Um, If the expectations from the top are unrealistic and that that burden is placed on the lap of the admissions reps, they may have to make uh, an ethical choice, i.e., do I quit because this is unreasonable or do I lie and do I kind of soft-pedal or over-promote my school for a, a prospective student, even though in my heart of hearts I know it's not the correct fit for the student. In other words, do I jam a few students in to hit my numbers? Do I compromise my ethics because some goofball owner is just greedy and they don't have uh, the uh, the right. temerity wow. to properly analyze the uh, their business? That's not well, too harsh, I hope. But
0: No, but again, it comes down to KPIs. If somebody is jamming in students that aren't, Qualified or doesn't have a chance of making it, that student's going to be a drop. So, again, that's another that we always look at. Uh, you know, a rep may start 50 students, but if 30 aren't starting or dropping out, I mean, that's just another important KPI that something, you know, something is wrong with that whole process. So, that's pretty yeah, you move the part. problem students down Turd
1: River there for the poor. Um, uh, uh, Delivers of the education have to deal with. Um, we have time for
3: have one more questions. question. Can you guys hear or, me? Sure. Yeah. Okay, so I have two questions so far. So Dan is asking, um, I think it was while Tom was talking about appointments, what do you consider an appointment? So what really goes into that metric? Hmm.
1: I'll speak to that first. This is Greg. Uh, I strongly believe that an appointment needs to be um, synchronous in nature versus asynchronous. So an email or a text is asynchronous. A phone call or a meeting is synchronous. And you need a synchronous exchange because the nature of what is being sold is a large ticket intangible uh, purchase. And study after study shows that a large ticket intangible purchase Purchase needs synchronous guidance for a big part of the process. Um, that would be my little two bits on w- what goes into that that metric. Um, you guys, do you think that I'm off on that, or not many people buy fifty thousand dollars
2: education off of email? Well, I, I think Zero. you know from the from the standpoint of what is an appointment. Uh, that is hopefully a Either face-to-face or if you're online, it's a, uh, a phone-based or web-based meeting with someone. Uh, but to me, a, real, a big key, and I've been running into this a lot lately, is, well, should they be qualified? How qualified should they be? If somebody has a remote interest in your product and they've requested information, then they should be, then you should be looking to set an appointment with them. They do not have to be completely pre-qualified. Well, they don't meet our hours, or they don't have the money, or they don't look right, or they they have a schedule that looks difficult, or they have personal issues that are preventing them. All of those things need to be explored when the person comes in. We simply want someone who is open and willing to explore the possibilities of this career. We don't want to you know close anyone off and be so extreme. Well. They're just never going to fit into our culture. You don't know that until you meet with them. So you need to be open and willing to talk to those people in person or on a phone-based or online webinar meeting of anyone who at least has an interest in exploring what the opportunities and possibilities may be, and then we can qualify them in or out through a great qualification process. Uh, but maybe they'll become motivated enough to change their job, their current schedules. It happens all the time. Too many people just X out people because they don't, they're do not they not a perfect fit. If you want a perfect fit, you don't need admissions people. You just need order takers. Very good. Okay. Can I go. sneak
4: in a question? Hi. Is, there, is sure. it too late for a question? No, um, go ahead. We're, oh, well, thanks. Um, we're a small cosmetology school. I'm hiring our first admissions person. And uh, I'm really in a jam. When you talk about all these metrics and the reporting and everything, um, I'm really in a jam as to which CRM to get. We're using Salesforce right now, but once we get all the modules to really equip it, it's just ridiculously expensive. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so I was just wondering if, if you if if people there had some recommendations that's going to give us the reporting and give the ease of use, <coughs> the you know, so the admissions person can clearly visualize the 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 pipeline and all of that stuff. Still get the reporting that's that's just not ridiculously expensive and I
0: we
1: use copper in our company which is a generic one which is quite good Uh in that regard but Tom there are a couple of companies um, I'm trying to think of uh, people edu ones that are just express like Louis this chap doesn't need a big purchase he just needs a real express product there's
2: there's three good ones Uh, ideally um, Greg, I don't know if you want me to give them out over the air or if you want to just do it uh, on a separate email. I'd be more than happy to email you or make some introductions with a few companies sure. for you and then you right. need to choose what's
0: best for you. Yeah.
2: Okay,
0: great.
2: Hey, Larry. Can you Larry just can just narrow
4: the me? field for me. Yeah, yeah Larry, I was going to give uh, you uh, uh,
2: well, an enrollment yeah, report I'll you send you, to... you some intros. on, oh. right, guys.
0: Stop. Just a sec, guys. Scott, you had a comment? Uh, yeah, no, I recognize Larry's voice and it's uh, I was I owe you a phone <laughs> call. I was going to call you tomorrow as a matter of fact. so I can get oh, you cool. those. I think I may have sent you a few uh, a couple of weeks ago, but we can talk about it tomorrow.
4: Yeah, I, okay, that, that would be great because uh, yeah I want yeah okay, that would be great. Yeah. I mean, I was hoping to get everybody's collective wisdom that's just dealt with different ah, smaller okay. schools and see what really works for them, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, that would Perfect. be great, Scott. That would be great. All right, gents. Um,
1: any other questions from the the gang? We, we've had uh, over 250 people on the call, so I think a number of people have probably hung up. But uh, if anybody has a final question, we're happy to answer.
3: I have another one. Um, yeah. um, oh, it's okay. Mine can wait.
1: No, no. We'll have you go first, ma'am, no, and then the gentleman can go after you.
3: So what is the current percentage um, of conversion rates for schools for enrollment to start? So is there sort of a benchmark? Is there something people should be working towards?
1: Tom, you want to crack at that?
2: From enrollment to start?
3: Conversion rate for schools for enrollment to start.
2: Okay. Um, So not from inquiry, but from enrollment. From enrollment to start, Depending on your process, uh, typically you're going to see about a 56 to 60% of the enrolled students will end up starting. Um, overall, you'll see about 60% get through and become accepted and get packaged, and about 90% of those should start. So you're looking somewhere around that 56% from enrolled to start, depending on where your financial aid process lies uh, in, in that mix. But it can vary based upon Heavy high school population, distance, you know, international students.
1: The other piece is um, your intake, uh, your rolling. If you have a rolling intake, uh, modular modularized rolling intake, then your your uh, ratio goes up. If you're like a K to twelve school where you have typically a, ma- a major intake in September, goes down somewhat. So that's another factor as well. What we can do for you, ma'am, is we'll get um, uh, on the phone with you and we'll analyze what you exactly have, and then we can give you a, a best practice to pursue. That might be the best way. Rather, it's a bit; the answers are a little kind of wishy-washy, and best to give you exactly what you need. So, um, we'll just. Uh, which tell me your your school again. Or your name
3: Greg or not. I'm not sure what school she was from um, but I do have her information we can follow up
1: okay cool and then we'll help her as uh, do a better job with, mm-hmm. than the device of a phone call there was a gentleman who had a question
4: yeah sorry it's me again but uh, I you you uh, this is Larry again um hey Larry you you answered the question before about what constitutes a a uh, an appointment and I was wondering before what actually constitutes a contact um, as opposed to an appointment. You so mean a, in
1: terms of the the leads that are getting fed into the admission stream?
4: Yes, for the lead contact rate uh, KPI. Um, so we, because is yeah, so it contra So it would be the synchronous, not the asynchronous. Again, it would be you would have a you know a. a a text exchange or a voice exchange or some kind of personal exchange with a person. We, it be
1: I'll, a take, I'll, I'll take yep. this, guys. With a digital lead, uh, the low kind of crummy average that is kind of fifteen to twenty percent. Uh, if there's a hundred leads, fifteen to twenty of those turn into phone calls, and then those are typically converting somewhere in around fifteen to twenty percent. So the game is to have a higher percentage of people. Uh, you that you can actually get on the phone. We have software uh, that does that that can uh, help to lift the uh, the contact rate significantly, and that might be something you might want to look at. Um, uh-huh. The the other thing you can use is speed to lead software, um, so you treat the digital lead as if it's a phone call that's on hold, and. That's another interesting way to do it. But the speed to lead is, a, is a, a crucial thing, or creating enough value in the marketing part of the process so that the prospective student says, Hey, I want to meet with a rep Tuesday afternoon on this day. That's another way to do it as well. So,
4: uh-huh. does that
1: answer your question a little bit?
4: yeah i think so uh, but i but more i mean i was even more basic than that i was just wondering under the, the the lead slash contact rate um the the lead to contact rate i guess um so so uh you get a lead that comes in you know via 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 your uh form on your website or whatever and then um and then so so what constitutes a successful contact is that Um, is, is that somebody answering you back by email or something or, or no, 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 that's
2: getting someone on the phone.
4: Okay. Okay.
2: Yeah. It would be, to me, it would be a two way conversation.
4: Yeah. Uh
2: Okay. That could be phone. It technically could also be text, um, or chat, but it would be at least a two way conversation where you're able to converse to, to an extent, at least. Shows that you've made contact and they've responded.
1: the The, the issue with okay, with great. text. Oh, there's a heartache going by my office. The, the 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 issue with text is that you can be texting and then they go dark on you. And then you there's nothing. Whereas when right. you're on the phone with somebody, you can engage and you can get connected more at an emotional level and you can get in connected at more of an empathetic level. Um,
2: right. Well, I think that's where the – that's not necessarily the contact rate, but that would be the appointment setting part would would come in, would be – yeah, you would want a two-way conversation by a phone so that you could make those emotional connections. That's what's going to determine your appointment setting rate. Mm-hmm. But many times we start with – we may start with text or chat, but we have to move them to the phone.
1: Think of text as a, like a little rickety bridge between the digital lead that comes in and a human being on the other side kind of waiting. And you can go out the rickety bridge to help the person across, and that could be like texting. or But right. most of these leads just fall down into the gorge, into the chasm of marketing purgatory, mm-hmm. and it's not good. So yeah, That's pretty true. Right. Yeah. Okay. Thanks Larry. Yeah. Um yep. any other questions yep. before we leave? Uh I think we might be done. So everybody, thank you so much. We'll be um available Thanks. to send you the uh more detailed mm-hmm. information on this uh talk we did today and uh, Scott and Tom, uh Tom, this has been primarily your information that you've packaged together and Scott uh, kind of hovered over it and uh, sprinkled uh, water on it and gave it his blessing. And you guys are awesome. As um, thanks so much for helping people today in this short time.
0: Thank you. Thanks, thanks for guys. attending, everyone.
1: Okay. Take care, everyone. Go out and have fun. Cheers.
0: Cheers. Bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Enrollment Resources, Innovations in Enrollment Management. Learn more at enrollmentresources.com.